we're going to be touching on the humanity of Jesus this Advent season. And I promise that some of the things that I teach on may be new for some of you, but I, I've vetted the, this stuff and this is orthodoxy. Uh, but uh, we in the church have kind of forgotten the humanity part of Jesus, I think. I don't like being dependent on other people. Okay, that's just my personality. That's how I roll. That's a max way of doing life. I don't like being dependent on others. Why? Because I can get to places on time. Thank you very much. I don't, <laughs> I don't have the struggle bus of getting somewhere on time. I can be on time. You tell me it starts at 10. I'm there at five till. No problem. Uh, I can follow through on tasks. If you give me things to do, I can get them done and knock them out and it's not a problem at all which is why group projects were the bane of my existence, right? Max, Max, I'm going to get to that on Thursday. Oh, really? Sign here, please. <laughs> I don't take drugs. Uh, and, and so, like, the only drug that I use to get me uh, to have a skip in my step is coffee, um, and when I had hernia surgery a number of years ago and I had to take pain meds, I realized that I can't do pain meds. When I was in the bathroom hurling my guts out and my dad, who was still living at the time, was making sure I could walk because when you have hernia surgery, you're not supposed to walk unassisted because you can, you know, break what the doctors did. And, and you're not, they, they tell you the one thing you want to avoid the most is throwing up because you can totally ruin the surgery. So here I am on the, you know, oh, dad, oh, talk about being dependent, right? <laughs> that was a moment of dependency. So no matter how hard I try, what I have figured out is that I'm dependent. I am dependent. Uh, the move into this facility, I love y'all, but there's no way I could have painted this all by myself. Not, not going to happen. I couldn't have moved all the stuff that we had to move all by myself. And when I was the facilities team, just me, Max Vanderpool, I myself, me and I, the three me's, we got nowhere. We signed no leases. We remained at Lone Oak. So it was the t team of five that unlocked this space. My preaching is dependent on the Holy Spirit. Shh, don't tell anyone, but like... If I go at something and I, a preacher can make you feel guilty, the Holy Spirit can convict. A preacher can tell you all the things you ought to do to obey God. The Holy Spirit can cause you to want to walk in obedience, right? Only God can change people in those ways. So no matter how hard I try, I'm utterly and completely dependent on God and I'm dependent on the Holy Spirit. You may have similar struggles, you want to be independent and yet you find that you need others. Now, because you live in America, uh, we tend to settle into two different kinds of dysfunctional ways of this. And the first is codependent, codependent. Um, codependent is an excessive emotional or psychological reliance on a partner, typically on account of an illness or an addiction. I need you to need me, I need to be needed, and, you know, and all this kind of dysfunctional stuff. That's one way we tend to handle it. The other way we tend to handle it is independent. In other words, not depending on another for livelihood or subsistence. That's the classic American story. I grew up in a poor sharecropper household in Oklahoma, and I pulled myself up by my bootstraps, and this oil company I built, 
you know, and everybody's like, woo, you go. Uh, so those are the dysfunctional ways that we kind of we handle that. God, by the way, is truly independent. God, the, the, the theological term for that is transcendent. In other words, what theologians are saying when they use that term is God exists apart from the material universe. God does not need anything in the material universe to complete him or make him who he is. He is who he is completely independent of what he made. And yet, God chose to become human. And when God became human, John tells us in the very first part of his gospel, so the word, the word that already existed, the word that was with God and the word that was God, that word became human and made his home among us. And again, in Philippians 2, Paul tells us, and I got to flip there. They may even have it on the big screen, but I'm going to find it. Philippians 2, he says this, though the word was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. It's really important. He gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. As a baby that night in Bethlehem, little baby Jesus was helpless and completely dependent, completely dependent on God, completely dependent on his earthly parents, completely dependent on other people. I don't know if you know this, but little babies cannot drive themselves to Kroger and feed themselves. Doesn't happen. <laughs> Max, they didn't have cars back then. Shh. Okay, and so... When God became human, God became, in a sense, dependent. Jesus lived what it means to be dependent when he lived his human life on earth in the first century. In fact, Jesus' entire life was dependent on God's spirit. In uh, Luke chapter 1, and we're gonna go, I'm going to go through a number of verses because I want you to catch this. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was baptized and anointed by the Spirit. It says this in Luke 3.22, and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on Jesus like a dove and a voice from heaven said, you're my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. Jesus was led by the Spirit, Luke 4 verse 1. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Jesus was lifted up in crucifixion through the Holy Spirit. The writer of Hebrews tells us this in Hebrews 9, 14. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciousness, consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. And then in in Romans 8, Paul tells us something important. He tells us 
Romans 8, verse 11, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he'll give you life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. Peter tells us as much in Acts chapter 10. And if they'll put Acts chapter 10 up here, I'll go through these verses. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. So what did Jesus go about doing? He went about doing good and healing people. And how did Jesus do that? How did Jesus do that? By the power of the Spirit. See, I grew up Baptist, and I thought my whole life growing up that Jesus did the things he was able to do because he was God. You're healed. I can do that because I'm God. Uh, I'm on the cross, and I'm, and I'm utterly abandoned by all my friends, and I've been deserted by everyone, but I'm going to forgive my enemies, and I can do that because I'm God. And so what happened for me over time is that I began to see Jesus as kind of a cosmic superman without the red cape. Jesus can do all these cool, amazing things. Now, I can't do them because I'm only human. I couldn't do those things. Only Jesus could do those things. And Jesus could do those things because Jesus was God. And I know I'm not God, so therefore, I can't do those things either because I'm only human. And yet, all of the gospel writers and the apostle Paul want us to see that Jesus was fully what human. human fully and completely human Jesus wasn't just 20% human Jesus wasn't 60% human Jesus was 100% human 100% human 100% God but set aside the God powers to join us in the human race which is why Jesus makes the comment that he does when he says something to the effect of, I could call down how many legions of angels, right? But I've set that aside. So um, now you may be seeing Jesus as a bit of a Superman too. I would encourage you to go back through the Old Testament and read what happened with Moses and the Israelites when they crossed the Red Sea. Did Moses part the Red Sea because Moses was God? No. Uh, Joshua in the battle of Jericho, was Joshua able to have the outcomes that he had because Joshua was God? Nope. Ordinary person. What about David facing Goliath or it, still respecting Saul's kingship and having to endure all the hard things he did? Was David able to do that because David was God? No. What about Elisha and the widow? Elisha did that miracle in the oil and stuff because Elijah was God? No, these were ordinary people through which God did extraordinary things through the power of God's spirit because they were wide open to God's spirit. Jesus was wide open to God's spirit in a way that whew, it's rare <laughs> for many of us to, to be that wide open and that obedient. But you may have 
found yourself in the set of circumstances that I did when I was younger. And you may look in the life of Jesus and you may frequently be saying to yourself, well, of course Jesus healed. Well, of course Jesus did this. Well, of course Jesus forgave. Of course, because Jesus was God. And I'm only human, so I don't have to worry about some of that stuff that I read about in the Gospels. To which, if my wife were in this room, she would say what she says to her kindergartners. Baloney pastrami. (laughs) Baloney pastrami. Jesus was fully and completely human. Not 50-50, not 60-40, not 80-20, 100%. My old Greek professor at Wheaton, Dr. Jerry Hawthorne, he put it this way. The Holy Spirit was the divine power by which Jesus overcame his human limitations, such as being limited in knowledge and bound by physical space and human strength. Jesus rose above his human weakness and won out over his, uh, over his human mortality. Jesus was dependent on God's spirit and yes, even other people. Other people being wide open to God's spirit. When Jesus was raised from the dead, there were about 120 people that were signed in, locked in to follow the Jesus thing those 120 people somehow managed to go from 120 people to basically the dominant religious experience of the Roman Empire and in turn uh, have just fundamentally turned human history upside down. Is that because those 120 people were also God? No, they were ordinary people wide open to God's spirit. Did Jesus personally Uh, preach in all of those towns of the Roman Empire to bring about that change? No. Did Jesus personally rescue every little baby in the trash heap of the Roman uh, trash heaps? No. Did Jesus personally travel all over the Roman Empire announcing the arrival of God's kingdom? No. Ordinary men and women and boys and girls who were simply wide open to God's spirit. So I want to say to you today you're only human, and the good news is that means you're dependent. And I hope this Christmas you'll choose to be dependent on God and you'll lean into dependency that comes with being in relationship with others. Let me ask a couple of questions, and if they'll put these questions up here. The first one is, do you do a lot of things without asking for help? Do you keep people at arm's length and then struggle because you're exhausted and a bit resentful because nobody did as much as you do? It might be possible that you could lean in and let go. Uh, Second question, what's something in your life right now that you desperately want to see happen? Something that only God can do. So how does this get applied in our lives. I've got three things and then I want to talk about something big time. First is ask for help. Ask for help. If you're a perfectionist, that means you're going to have to embody the whole Disney Frozen thing. Let it go, let it go. Like it, it's not going to be as nice, as straight, as good as you think it's going to be and that's okay. It's okay. Uh, but ask for help. Ask for help. Uh, it's okay to ask for help. Did you know that? It's okay to ask for help. Secondly, take risks. 
One of the big risks that you can take is by volunteering or serving in a way that's beyond your capacity or giftedness. Um, one of the reasons that I will sometimes hang around teenagers, not my thing. Teenagers are not my thing. They're not my skill set. They're not my toolbox. I lack the understanding. I'm so old now, I don't even know anything that's relevant or current, okay? And yet, I find myself there outmatched and outgunned every week. It's an opportunity for God to do something that only God can do, right? So when you, one of the things that you could do is to take a risk by putting yourself someplace where you're just outmatched and outgunned. The last thing is lean in instead of checking out. Lean in. And what I mean by that is lean into relationships. The people in this room, I've got news for you. They're all so human. Shh. The people in this room are also human. They are. They know what it is to make mistakes. They know what it is to have things blow up in their face. They know what it is to be limited and they know what it is to have to need other people. They're in the same boat as you. Lean in instead of checking out. 10 years ago as a pastor, um, my standard answer to the question that I would get asked, uh, Max, uh, can I help? My standard answer was, nope, I got this, no problem. I've got it, I've gotten taken care of. Nope, don't worry about it, I've got it. That was my standard answer. And can I just tell you, that was a stupid way to go about ministry, and that was a stupid way to model Jesus, and that was just stupid. <laughs> but your pastor can learn, uh, even if it's the hard way. And so uh, these days, in the last little bit of things, I don't, many of you have commented on this, you'll say, can I help? And my answer is always the same. Why, yes, you can. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I may not know exactly how yet, but I'll figure it out this week. The answer is yes, uh, yes. I knew that I had achieved a new uh, way of living that when one of my adult children sat me down in the move to the facility and they said something to this effect, Dad, you have taken this delegating stuff too far. You need to take authority and take back some of that benevolent dictatorship stuff, da, da, da. Well, the real issue was they just didn't like what some of the other people were doing. And I was like, well, that's how it works, man, okay? So I just wanna say to you, it is possible to lean into dependency. It is possible to do that. I think the biggest problem that we Americans face is that we're, we try to be too independent. We really do. We try to make it on our own. We try to make it without other people. We try to be independent because that's our cultural narrative is to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and all this other stuff that goes with it. And so we try that and we try to live that way. Um, by the way, it's the big, one of the bigger problems that churches face. We think that if we just market right, if we have the right kind of technology, if the pastor wears the right kind of jeans and all this other stuff, why, woo, we'll just take off. We don't, the truth of the matter is we need God's spirit. We need God's spirit to move. That's what this country needs. That's what I need. That's what this church needs is for God's spirit to move. Not for me to kind of manage some kind of marketing technique to reach the, the right niche of people. So, how can you go about living a life that's dependent of the Spirit? I wanna suggest a few things if this is new information to you. The first, as Paul would say in Romans 12, is to simply offer yourself, right? Paul says, offer your bodies as a sacrifice to the Lord. So 
uh, you want to be dependent on the Spirit, sometime today say to God, hey, here I am, I'm available, and I'm offering myself to you, and I'm not holding anything back. And the second thing is ask. Um, ask of me, and I will give you the nations, God says through the psalmist. But, but ask, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit today. The, an, a third component is obedience, obey. Um, and the, are you ready to do what God asks you to do? So here's what I found. When I pray that prayer and I'm like, hey, God, I'm available. Here I am. I, you know, I offer myself. Wouldn't you know that something always comes up? It seems like that day that's a clear God thing, and I kind of feel it in my heart. And then the problem is I'm like, I've got a schedule, or I've got these other things in my head that I thought I was going to do, and so I want to push the God thing that's clearly God wants me to do off to the side. And maybe you've had that happen to you. But So uh, the, the question is, are you going to obey what God asks you to do? And the last thing is to have faith. We receive salvation by faith. We receive forgiveness by faith. You are filled by the Holy Spirit by faith. It takes faith part of it, okay? So uh, the next time you're looking at the life of Jesus and you're thinking to yourself, man, must be nice to be God, remind yourself that that same spirit that was available to Jesus is available to you today if you're just willing to ask and be open. God is, God's doing big things all around the world and God's doing small things that are just equally amazing that seem insignificant and he wants you to be part of it and in on it. And I just wanted to remind us this Christmas season that it's okay to be dependent on God's spirit and dependent on each other.